0: I took a shower, I took several showers, it's just really hard to get the residue off because it's, it was like eight nights of it and I still haven't gotten over all of it. Oh hi, this is Pete Pomisano, here once again on RLTP's Off-Road for another exciting episode with more great interviews. And a very wild and woolly mystery guest message from the bunker. I don't quite know what to think of it. And you won't either, but you won't want to miss it. Well, can you feel it? Autumn is coming. The shadows have grown longer. The nights have grown cooler. The days aren't quite as hot as they were. And the humidity and the rain. and, And now it's... It's getting close to get locked inside time again. Not to bring everybody down, but what are we gonna do when we can't go outside again? I'm just hoping that all of this just fades away as has been promised. It's all just gonna disappear. But I have no hope of that happening. But I'll be here because, uh, you know, as my brother is fond of saying, (laughs) what the hell else do you have to do? And he's right. So, this episode, we've got two more great interviews. And and another gentleman I've never met before, his name is Dennis Coys. He comes from the Birchfield Penny Art Center over there on the campus of Buffalo State College. And it was fascinating to talk to him. And uh, Birchfield Penny is reopened now. And what he has to say about their reopening and how they're going about it and how you can get in on it. Because Birchfield Penny is more than just... It's more than just a museum. It's more than just an art gallery. It's more than just exhibits. There's so much going on there. And Dennis is here to tell us about that. And then a dear friend from, oh, not so very long ago, Tracy Snyder, who is one of the three young people who have taken over theaters in Buffalo in the past year, just in time for the pandemic to hit. That's, That's luck for you. And Tracy is here, and she's a delightful young lady. I can't wait for you to hear from her, and she's going to tell us all about what's going on at Toy. And Toy has a very unique situation in the city, is that they rely on school kids, and there ain't going to be any school kids coming in this year, so good luck to Tracy. She'll tell you all about it. But first up, it's Dennis Coys from the Birchfield Penny. but this times out pretty well because you just you just reopened in in august we did that correct? yeah
1: literally uh last weekend was our first weekend open to the general public so we yeah. it, it's good as good timing
0: and how's that going
1: so far so good we're um you know like a lot of museums that are reopened we're getting uh, you know sort of attendance bump of pent-up demand mm-hmm. um, a lot of museums are seeing that and then settling back down to visitation that's much lower than normal, so we'll yes. see how long the bump lasts. But it's it's good to see people's faces again.
0: That's for sure. And you have so many ex- exhibition spaces there. What about spacing? I'm sure I'm sure everybody's wearing masks. I'm sure that's an issue. But uh, what about spacing in the exhibition areas?
1: Well, you know, we, it seems to be a, a non-issue. For, I think for us and probably a lot of museums, we just we have enough raw space that it's not hard to maintain six feet. And like all museums, you know, our our capacity is about a quarter, we're limiting capacity about a quarter of what's normal. So, you know, so far that's not been an issue. We haven't had a limit capacity, but there's plenty of space for everybody. So, mm-hmm.
0: And tell us a little bit about the Birchfield Penny, because I know a lot of people, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but I think some people think that it's devoted strictly to Charles Birchfield, and, and that's the way it, it started out. But then after a while, it became, I don't remember exactly when it happened, but it, it's really devoted to all sorts of Western New York, esteemed Western New York artists. Is that is that correct?
1: Yeah, so it's, I mean, in essence, it's two museums in one, The the Birchfield part of our name does allude to Charles Birchfield, who, you know, the great American uh, painter, watercolorist primarily, Mm -hmm. and we have the largest collection of his work in the world, you know, so relative to the next largest museum collection, which is the Whitney Museum, they've got, you know, 57 works. We have thousands of paintings, prints, drawings, um, you know, ephemera. So, you know, we're a big study center for Charles Birchfield. So that's one half. And then the other side of the name, the Penny, you know, you can think of as a Western New York Art Museum, a focus on regionalism. So we, you know, sort of look both at historic art, you know, works that were created here over time, as well as works that are being created right now. And a piece of that mission also, I think, really touches on a a sort of community art center mission. We are here to engage with the community, engage with families. Um, support art making, support creativity, um, creative economy initiative. So, uh, you know, it's kind of two institutions uh, mushed together into one.
0: <laughs> and you have a partnership with Buff State, correct? And and how does that affect things? And, and, and in what way is it a partnership?
1: So we are located on Buff State's campus. So we are actually affiliated with SUNY. Mm-hmm. And uh, our building, from a technical standpoint, is actually owned by the by SUNY. Um, but we're a separate nonprofit that operates and and runs our own museum. Um, So we do a lot of the things that a campus museum might. We host classes, we have uh, staff who are faculty, um, at the college and teach. Uh, we've got college students who come in as interns. We're affiliated with Buff State as one of the preeminent art conservation programs in the nation. So we are affiliated with them and uh, sort of work through on a lot of art conservation issues. So it, it you know, sort of is another facet of the institution that we have this academic side as well, which mm-hmm. is really exciting.
0: So Dennis, when everything hit the fan in March and everything closed down, was that an advantage in some way to be connected to Buffalo State? Or I mean, I know that the building shut down, but in terms of maintenance and keeping up with, I don't know if the exhibits needed any kind of maintenance. But what happened when you had to close down? Did the building just shut down in in entirely?
1: Uh, Yeah, it was. It's an unusual situation. I mean, certainly it was beneficial to have an affiliation with the college. It helps with things like maintenance and just ongoing care. Um, but it was, you know, an unusual situation. When we closed down in March, you know, it, as for everyone, it, it unspooled quite rapidly from, you know, initially we just asked docents to stop coming in and providing tours, most of them are elderly, to within two and a half weeks, you know, we were shut down. And so we literally turned out the lights, the exhibits were still hanging here for five months uh, in the dark. We had art on loan from the Smithsonian, from other museums that wasn't able to be returned. You know, we had art out on loan to other institutions. So, you know, it basically just kind of froze everything in place. Eventually, we were able to slowly work our way to getting staff back in the building to start deinstalling those shows and prepping for an eventual reopening. But it was, it was quite sudden when it happened.
0: Did you have a switch over to a, a completely different set of exhibitions for when you opened in August?
1: We did. So we um, obviously had to completely revamp our exhibit schedule. Uh, The shows we were going to be opening during that period uh, couldn't happen. Art couldn't be transported, et cetera. So we ended up curating an entirely new suite of seven exhibitions Hmm. uh, from small to large. They were all curated remotely via Zoom and using, you know, online um, access to our collections database. Uh, by staff, and then those were installed in the weeks leading up to our our recent reopening. So, with the exception of one or two small galleries, everything uh, in the center is now a new exhibit, so it's all fresh content.
0: Oh, fresh content since you closed originally in March.
1: Yeah, well, and, and content, yeah, and content that I think is, you know, these are exhibits that didn't necessarily, a few of them existed or were planned before the closure, but a couple of them really, um, we added to the schedule or even curated from scratch to reflect the reality of what everybody's been going through. So, you know, they allude to uh, some of the works and some of the content and uh, text, you know, alludes to the closure, alludes to COVID, alludes to the kind of isolation people have been through, alludes to the social upheaval and Black Lives Matter. Uh, police brutality protests that have gone on alludes to current politics so you know we really um, I think the staff did an amazing job coming around and coming back in with content that really speaks to people's experiences and what they've just all been through
0: so while you were off you were all working
1: sort of we were all working yeah,
0: uh, via zoom and so on and you were you were curating sort of a, a, a timely set of exhibitions for the opening. A
1: a timely response, yeah, for the reopening. So, um, you know, I think people get a sense of that when they view these and, um, you know, it, it helps, I think. You know, art museums are great places for people to process their own lives and to understand their own place in the world and so i think it's really incumbent on all culturals right now to be thinking about how do you integrate what's just happened into your program how do you give people the space and the time and the opportunity to to understand what they've just been through and i think that's one of the great um you know opportunities that we have as an institution so we're trying to trying to avail ourselves of it
0: well i find that really interesting that you were able to find works that reflected the situation in some way. I mean, how did were you in communication with other museums and other artists that how did you how did you determine what things would fit? It, it To me, that's sort of miraculous.
1: Well, you know, it's it's um everyone's got their own experience of this, right? Everyone's, you know, some people have found um, you know, the the introverts among us have found great solace in this <laughs> shutdown and the extroverts have been you know, itching to get out and everything in between. So, you know, we have a large enough collection of artwork that we are able to find work that can speak to different facets of this experience. Some of it's quite literal. I mean, we have a really interesting painting uh, that a painter, Michael Morarian, did 10 years ago that shows a child in a Superman suit with a surgical mask on. Wow. Um, you know, this was done ten years before COVID, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. it has never seen, You know, that painting always seemed a little strange, and now suddenly it seems quite prescient. <laughs> you know, other works that were chosen really are much more um, oblique references or abstract references to, you know, recovery, to health, to um, disease, to. Um, you know social upheaval to you know personal politics to you know there's a lot of different facets you can mine in this so there there, it it wasn't as hard as you would think to find um works that speak to the current moment.
0: Well I suppose if you know what you're doing and you have a, a mind that, that is focused on that sort of art that that of course you can sort of reach into the into the, uh, In the collection. archives
1: of your brain. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely and into the collections, yeah.
0: And you have other things going on there as well. I mean uh, the the Birchfield uh, the Birchfield Penny Art Center is not just a museum. It's not just exhibition space. You have other things going on as well as tours and classes and so on. Do you have anything else going on? or is that sort of limited right now?
1: For now, uh, it's really just the exhibits and being open limited hours. Um, We hope to eventually restore things like tours and school visits and all of that, but, you know, just given the realities right now, both of our staff and keeping them safe, keeping our volunteers safe, who are the folks who run a lot of those kinds of um, events for us, we are, you know, doing a slow walk back towards normalcy. So it's going to take Sometimes, some of those things might not come back at all until there is a vaccine and and or herd immunity, and some of them might come back in some specialized forms. Um, You know, we've talked about, one of our staff is really interested, one of our educators is interested in doing what she's calling bubble tours, you know, which are, you know, people have little pods or bubbles of people that they know and interact with Uh. right now. And so can that group come in together and take a, a tour with a socially distant guide Um, of an exhibit and so you know we're thinking about different ways to deliver content and we are still doing the things we did while we were closed you know while we were shut down we actually probably saw more visitors they just were remote Mm -hmm. um, or online than we would have seen if we were open Um, you know we were doing uh, Friday night events that had five or six thousand unique users streaming content at once Um, you know so over those five months of closure we you know, had more than 50,000 people access um, directly access online streamed content while we were delivering it. So, you know, we were still there delivering and doing our work, but it was just in a different format. And some of that will continue uh, even once we are fully reopened, I imagine.
0: Now, were those people who were members uh, of Birchfield, because I know you have various membership levels that you can join with those. I mean, how did that information get out that people knew enough to find you
1: The beauty, the beauty of social media these days, you know, although we've got several thousand member households, we have, you know, many tens of thousands Facebook friends, um, you know, Instagram followers, uh, you know, social media outlet um, connections. So, you know, it wasn't that hard actually to get the word out. A lot of the folks who access that content were not necessarily members. Uh, we did offer some content just for members. Um, you know, for example, this Saturday, we're doing a, a virtual family day where we folks can go to a local art supply business that is a partner of ours, pick up a kit, take it home, and then get online this Saturday and with our educators, make an art project with their kids, um, but do it in, you know, in their own home. Um, so, you know, we, that's just a members event. So we have some member content, but a lot of it was just for the general public and Uh, It did very well. And, you know, our numbers, we were really excited compared favorably to a lot uh, of museums that are much larger than we and have a lot more users than we. Mm -hmm. So I think we were kind of, um, you know, sort of you know, punching above our weight when it came to digital content. So that was nice to see.
0: It always surprises me that B- Buffalo is such an arts town. There really is a lot of culture here. And there's a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of museums here. There are a lot of outlets for art. I spoke to somebody last week from the Buffalo Art Studio, and I'm supposed to speak speak to somebody from the Albright Knox. There, there is just so much going on. And it always amazes me that, the, that people like you report that you are getting you know, great response and and great input from people all around the city and, and all around Western New York. And I, I guess that's because you do focus on Western New York uh, artists primarily. And and now you say your your hours are like eleven to four right now.
1: Right now we are open just weekends, so Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays uh, from ten to eleven for those at higher risk, so seniors. First responders uh, and our members, and then from eleven to four each of those days for the general public. So,
0: and it's and it's free at this point, correct?
1: It is, yeah. For the first few weeks, uh, m and Bank has enabled us to do this all free to welcome people back. So, I think that's been a big, uh, you know, helpful piece and a big piece of why people are are uh, you know, coming in the door is they feel like it's something they can do, and you know, even if you're in a tough place right now, you lost your job or you're furloughed. Um, thanks to COVID, it you know it doesn't cost you anything to come in and have an enjoyable experience with your family.
0: What a great resource! And and <laughs> thank God for M&T Bank. What would everybody that I speak to and every place I go, they're, they're a primary sponsor. I, I uh, don't want to give them an extra plug here, but they certainly deserve it.
1: They certainly deserve it. I think they're a great supporter of, you know, Western New York culturals as a whole. And you know, relative to corporate support, I've seen in other cities that run museums, and I think they really are in the top tier as far as the way they approach this stuff and the ways they think it's important to their community.
0: Yes, they are. Dennis, can you tell us anything about what's coming up? Anything, any hints about the future? How do you see things uh, uh, panning out? Do we wait until there's a until there is some kind of a Cure or some kind of a a vaccine, or do you see things opening up? Do you have plans? already in the pipeline? Or are you basically saying, well, we'll do this or this or this, depending on how things pan out?
1: It's a little bit the latter. I mean, I think, you know, it's tough right now for everyone, you know, cultural included to, to do any kind of long-term planning because you just don't know what the timeline is, right? This could be six months. It could, could be 60 months. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I do think, you know, we will eventually see a return to normalcy. At some point, this will be addressed and, you know, we'll be back with symphony tickets and going to see art exhibits and doing the things we all used to do. But I do think there's gonna be some long term permanent change that this will have wrought. You know, it's gonna change the way culturals work, certainly, and um, the idea that we all have to you know, work in a building every day as opposed to sort of this mix of home and um, on-site, it's going to change how much content we understand we can deliver online. So even once things are back to normal, I think you'll see a lot of culturals doing a lot more online content delivery. Mm-hmm. This really jump-started that in a way. Um, you know, culturals were maybe lagging behind the wider culture in their, their engagement with digital content and I think now we've leapt ahead. Um, so, you know, some, some of those things will continue, but until we know more, it's it's really tough to plan.
0: Well, Dennis, I forgot to ask you this. Did you have any major events that had to be canceled that were particularly damaging or, or uh, you know, financially or otherwise that, that were, I'm sure there were major events during the past five months that that maybe had to go by the wayside?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, everything, you know, we've we've had lots of impacts, um, you know, as, as most culturals have, everything from, you know, we had to cancel our, our gala, which is one of our big fundraisers, and delay that by a year. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we had to cancel a lot of private rental events, you know, weddings and corporate events obviously didn't ever happen. Sure. Um, you know, so there were big revenue impacts from that. Um, and then our exhibit schedule, I mean, we had, we had shows scheduled. you know, like most museums we plan two, three, four years out. And so the schedule is a pretty finely tuned uh, machine. (laughs) And once you throw a five month, you know, monkey wrench into it, it really has a, a lot of echoes and we're still dealing with how to juggle, you know, commitments to artists, commitments to um loans, other kinds of things that um, you know have, have been made challenging by all this, but we'll it all gets sorted out yeah. so.
0: so you have a lot of online things going on now and you're open on the weekends for free throughout the month of August. Mm-hmm. Anything else you'd like to promote before we uh, say goodbye here?
1: I just think it's a great time to come in and you know bring family, bring friends who are close to you and take a look at what's here and talk about the experiences that you know you've been through. Um, you know this is a this is these kinds of places are just great to understand our own place in the world and kind of the arc of human experience and so I just encourage everyone don't don't think of it as a nice to have think of it as something that you really need to do for your own mental health sanity. is get out listen to some music see some art <laughs> uh, do some things that help you understand um, what you've been through and that'll help us all move forward
0: you don't have any music programs going on right now though do you unfortunately
1: we don't right now no nope, that those we haven't figured out how to get launched yet but we're hoping by this fall or film programs I've been there for things of that nature we're hoping by this fall we'll be able to do um, some of the music programs, at least um, we've done some of them remotely, but we're hoping to eventually be able to restore some of them in person. We'll see how it goes.
0: Well, Dennis Koiz, I really appreciate you uh, joining me today. And and I hope we can get the word out as as much as possible. I'll send you a link for this uh, when it gets released, which will be probably the It's a week from this coming Monday.
1: We'll we'll appreciate that. We'll get it out to all of our social media channels, and uh, that will hopefully help drive some traffic for you. And we, of course, are appreciative of the exposure. So thanks for taking the time.
0: Oh, I appreciate you coming on with me. I hope you have a good day, Dennis. And uh, you too. Take care.
1: All right. Take care. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye now. Dennis Kois, Birchfield Penny Arts Center. And now... I don't know what to make of this and I hope you'll be able to figure it out, but it appears to me that something strange is going on here. You may not recognize the voice of this mystery guest, but you certainly have heard his words. Here it is, a message from the bunker with our mystery guest. 911, what are you reporting? 911?
1: Uh, I'm sorry, I thought I was calling off-road with Peter Palmasano. I- I'm a little upset about this thing outside my house. Did you see what it was? No, It's it hides out by the trees, it comes back every night. Okay, you've had problems in the neighborhood before? You know, I haven't left my house in months since March. All the theaters are closed and classes are all online, but there's this Thing right by the tree line of my woods. Uh,
2: it's watching it. me. Was it a person or an animal? Or... Oh my god, there it is! You see him now, sir?
1: It's coming across my lawn,
2: right towards my house! Okay. And the guy is on foot. Just... Yeah, and the, the feet! Are huge. Blackmail or a white mail? Did you actually? Why are you got to go in that
0: direction with this? What's that about?
2: Okay, but it is a it is a person.
0: I I don't know what it is. Listen, you got to get this message to Pete Palmasano, Off Road Radio, please. Oh, it's coming
1: right in my window! Uh-oh. No, no! Hello.
0: So what should I do? What do you think? Should I, should I call somebody? I do I I really don't know what to do. That was a little bit weird, don't you think? And I bet you don't know who that voice is, but I'll give you time to think about it as we go explore what's happening at Theater of Youth with my friend Tracy Snyder. Tracy, how are you?
2: I'm hanging in there, Peter.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Oh, well, Tracy, I love you, but uh, I don't know how you could possibly be hanging in there.
2: <laughs> you know, you take it one day at a time, and you you do what you can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, well, you know, you're one of three people who sort of took over theaters this year. Uh, it's just the best time to do so. <laughs> you know and what, <laughs> you're the you're the you're the last one on my list uh because I was waiting you know I was waiting hoping that you'd be able to have something to tell me yeah uh, that was different from oh my god what are we gonna <laughs> what are we gonna do and uh so so here we are and I, you look great you look like you're still you know optimistic and and positive and <laughs> if
2: i'm anything else peter you know it's positive
0: <laughs> I, I i do know that i do know that well anyway thanks so much for doing this you know i i uh as i said you're the last of the people who just uh who i just wanted to say well uh good luck and uh what did you do in a previous life that brought you to this hell you're now living and clearly uh, you did something really bad but no this is a good thing this this is a, somebody told me several 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 interviews ago she said you know nonprofits we we don't look at pr- problems we look at them as opportunities it's challenge it's an opportunity so how's your opportunity been going
2: <laughs> it's it's going i have to say we are right on the cusp of Um, You know, it's like everyone, we're trying to navigate, we're constantly assessing what we can and cannot do, Um, but we are right on the cusp of being able to announce a little more fine-tuned things, Mm -hmm. Um, but we have some really exciting opportunities that are presenting themselves that we will be able to fulfill to continue to try to do programming for the community.
0: Well, that's great.
2: There are possibilities.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because of course we, I mean, Toy is such a, oh my, it's such a staple of this community, and it, and it's such a rock. I was looking it up, and in two years, Toy will have celebrated, will be celebrating its fiftieth anniversary, which is astonishing to me because I, of course, remember it. I remember when Toy was born, and I'm only forty-two. So how? it could possibly be 50 is, you know what, first of all, let me ask you this, Tracy, what is your official title now?
2: So I'm the managing director.
0: You're managing director. Okay. So you have others around you who are also in helping you making decisions. I mean, who else is still there and still working with you?
2: Unfortunately, we did have to furlough all employees However, we have been able to bring a couple people back on extremely part-time, limited programming engagements. Mm-hmm. So with that, the board really has been instrumental in, in moving us forward and, and being being a resource um, to, to you know, bounce ideas off of and, and really shift what we can and cannot do. So that's kind of the status for where we are. And our goal is to bring people back and help rebuild toy, as it were. But right now, as you know, the challenges are just so difficult.
0: They're really overwhelming. And things are changing every day, but they're not changing enough. Okay, they just opened the gyms. Uh, big deal. That really, that doesn't help you at all. They're talking about some movie theaters opening at a very limited capacity. Well, that, that doesn't help you either. Uh, there's almo- It's almost like theaters themselves are... we must be up to phase 20 by now (laughs) and theaters are at phase 50 uh, because I don't see any, there's not even a mention of live theater. And as you know, and I know that Broadway has already announced that, you know, they're, they're closed for at least until January and probably after that. But you do have, I'm talking too much. I really want to talk to you, but what I really want, well, first of all, let's go back a little bit. When did you start? When did you take on the managerial position? I know it was before all of this hit the fan. You were in the middle of last season.
2: Yes, I came in just, just a year ago. It was July of,
0: of 2019. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an interesting season. <laughs> and you were so and you were so optimistic, and it was so exciting. And we were all talking about it. we go, oh, Tracy's taking over at Toys. He's going to be managing. How how exciting that is. And the next thing we were saying is, oh, poor Tracy. <laughs> But it was along with poor everybody, because then, of course, you shut down right in the middle of The Outsiders. I don't even know how successful it might have become, but it was so positively spoken of by not just, you know, Chris, who, of course, directed it, but everybody who had seen any part of it about how positive they were. And that was shut down. How many shows or did you get any shows or was it opening day?
2: No, we actually got three school time performances in and one public performance on the weekend before we had to shut everything down.
0: Mm -hmm. And is there is there any hope of bringing that back or is that something that we we don't quite know or can't talk about yet.
2: What I can say is that we are in the works of trying to make magic happen with the outsiders. Um, And I will hopefully have more information to officially share within the next, I would say like two weeks.
0: Two weeks, okay. But
2: that's that's the point of theater, Peter, is that we can take hard situations and turn that into magic and make incredible things happen. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, that's what every, I think everybody's going to have to rely on that very thing. Magic. Everything has to be rethought. Everything has to be reconsidered. Everything has to be revisualized. And what might we be able to do with this? All right. So that's that's one thing. But let me just go back a little bit. So it, when when the Outsiders closed down, as, as you know, I was also in a show and we closed down. And there was thought that, OK, well, we'll be off for a couple of weeks and then maybe we'll come back. And then, of course, there was no there was no coming back and you had another show that was about to i assume about to go to rehearsal right. uh, go dog go now that also obviously was was canceled and when i say canceled i know that there's always a chance that we're just talking about postponement even though it may not necessarily it may not necessarily be this coming season but you did have that show as well in the works that was the only show left on the season is that correct
2: that is correct yes
0: and then you had some summer things of course because i know you have a big summer programs and all of the did those continue were they done virtually
2: Yeah, so we were able to translate everything into virtual. There were only a couple programs that we did have to cancel because of rescheduling and and conflicts with teaching artists and and low enrollment and things like that. But otherwise, we transferred, I think, 13 classes this summer to virtual. Wow, and then we're planning a full fall virtual workshop session as well. So
0: I saw that. I saw that on your website. Well, let, let's just let's skip over. The, so what did what did happen in with the thirteen? When you say thirteen classes, you don't mean thirteen individual sessions. You mean the thirteen classes of of one course, shall we call it?
2: No, I do mean different programs really? within the summer session. So
0: oh my goodness. Well, explain that to me because <laughs> <laughs> clearly I'm wrong, and I, I don't know what I'm talking about
2: uh normally what's great about toy is that we do offer half day and full day workshops for kids of all ages from k through twelve um but because of the virtual platform we we felt it was not in anyone's best interest to offer you know three four six hour programs uh, because no. that it's right. tedious, especially after the the spring semester with schools. Right. So right. we we looked at what was the best option. We still wanted to offer programming and really give a virtual platform a go because Toy has never taken part in anything virtual, like a lot of other companies. Right. And we had different workshops again for different age groups that we were able to translate online so they were week-long classes there were two programs that were two weeks but they were all an hour per day to help fulfill that original program and we had amazing things happen we still did a final presentation we still created like a workbook that the kids drew things and created their own story. And we were able
0: to save
2: that and send that to parents. So we still had, you know, quote, final presentations, but they just look different this summer than they have in the past.
0: And how did you reach out? Well, first of all, who was involved? Who were the teachers involved in this?
2: Oh, goodness. We had Alex Malays, which was wonderful to have her back. So Alex Malaise and Chris Kelly, Mm -hmm. we had Dan Torres. We had Sue McCormick. We had, I know I'm forgetting no, I'm, people. I'm going gonna,
0: I'm gonna to stop you. I'm going to stop you because you're going to forget people. And this way we can, we can just blame it on me. Peter interrupted me and I was going to get to you. <laughs> so then how did you recruit uh, students? Uh, were they all, had they all been signed on originally, or did you?
2: We did have a really decent number of students that were enrolled from the spring, right? We we had announced summer workshops in January, Mm -hmm. and so we did already have some kids registered, and then, of course, we did lose some because parents and students didn't want to continue virtually because of you know the school situation and it was just so overwhelming but then once we launched it some of our numbers were a little low but then as the summer progressed we did you know we we channeled our social media channels our TAs spread the word we did some light marketing um just because again we were trying new things so we're hoping we already have a lot of people that had taken two or three workshops this summer and they're already asking for the fall so we're hoping that we build momentum from those that have already taken classes but then also reaching out to new venues and and new streams to try to get more students to experience what toy has to offer.
0: Do you uh, this is the impression I got do you get a lot of repeat Students, people who, kids who were, you know, started out when they. What's the youngest that you have?
2: So we do offer K, so kindergarten, so five, six years old.
0: Oh my goodness!
2: I know. <laughs> Sometimes those are a little more challenging online, but.
0: Well, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to imagine that you know the parents there with them with their little iPads and so on. Although, as I'm sure you've discovered, and I'm discovering with my own granddaughters, uh, who are now young ladies, they're all hip to all technology way more than I am they they visited me in July and there was a lot of this going on well grandpa don't you know to do this well grandpa you just need to do that okay fine thank you thank you for making me feel like an idiot (laughs) so you start even at k and you go up what's the highest level
2: um through 12th grade wow yeah wow
0: so what's the total number of students roughly that you had in this whole summer program
2: this summer we had just about 40 um, which is low for what we normally have but i am extremely proud of that for a first go at virtual programming
0: as as you should be
2: i think nine of those students were repeat students again that had taken more than one session because they you know I think people are looking for those unique creative experiences to still give their kids. Um, I think what we're going to find is that kids and families really need creative outlets because I, you know, I have a suspicion that some art programs, not all, but some will be, limited or cut with these new schedules, whether it's yes. you know a hybrid or or virtual. And so I think I think theater programs are so vital for so many reasons and we need that creativity.
0: Tracy, I, I meant to go I meant to ask you this and, and, and these are sort of my standard questions because I really do want to know about uh, what happened during quarantine? I, obviously, the whole theater was was shut down. Is there something about the Allendale Theater, which is, it's practically a historic landmark in Buffalo. I remember, I mean, I remember going there as a kid to the movie theater there. And was there anything about it? You had to keep the place closed? Did you have to maintain it in some way? There were plenty of winter months. Was there Were there issues about just maintaining the building itself?
2: Well, no, we were lucky because of the timing. We, You know, we had just passed snow. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we didn't have too much
0: unless you lived where i live which we had <laughs> snow in may so that, but okay we had just passed the worst of it anyway
2: pretty much passed the worst of winter thank goodness um and it, you know we have such a great partnership with the city of buffalo that a lot of the external things they are wonderful that you know every year we work with them to to help maintain and to improve and restore the allendale but we really take care of everything internally so That is something that I I go there as often as I can um, to make sure everything is okay and check maintenance and things like that. So there are things on my horizon that I will be navigating moving forward because we do you know, it is our building
0: and it, and it has a lot of, I mean, I've been backstage, obviously <laughs> has a lot of space backstage, dressing rooms, offices and so on. All of that was closed as well. Were you not allowed admission into the building at all during that time?
2: Yeah, no, I really stayed away for the first couple of weeks because we just didn't know. And because we did have a public show, of course, you know, there's so much misinformation about at the time, you know, how it can spread and things like that. So we, we you know, we just didn't know. We sure. We literally just closed up and and um,
0: and, th- and and we all thought we'd be opening up again in a couple of weeks too. <laughs>
2: yeah, because I mean, Outsiders was literally completely dropped, ready to go as if coming back that following Tuesday for an on-school time. Sure. So you know, costumes were rehung. I grabbed laundry, and you know, all of those things. So <laughs> it, it was very weird when I did go back and and start going back to really kind of clean up, you know, clean the area and things like that to to maintain it.
0: Okay, so let's just talk a little bit about the theater of youth relies on predominantly school field trips and things of that nature. I have done a show there. I know, know the daytime performances every morning at 10 or whatever it is, and now schools are... Well, they're a mishmash. They're a jumble of who's doing in-person classes, who's doing a hybrid, who's doing a completely virtual situation. In my own family, my two granddaughters, each one is different. Right. With all of that going around, and, and of course, you know, Buffalo is gone virtual. Is going virtual for the at least the foreseeable future. What do you do when you are predominantly focused on field trip? clientele
2: right so through our channels we understand that there will be no field trips no no one going into schools no one coming out of schools anything like that and so for me it's really trying to reimagine programming and what we can offer and really creating different unique content that maybe we could offer schools or that we have that, you know, they can come to us and creating programming in that way. It, it, at this time it will not be your typical main stage production because we can't, we can't gather. We can't even get actors together to an extent. So, so that is just going to look different for, you know, the next 12 months while we, we navigate what, what the next in-person gathering can look like. Because as as you had already said, you know, New York State, they haven't released any guidelines for theaters. So it, it's just very challenging.
0: Well, for those who don't know, the theater of youth does one performance, one evening performance, usually, uh, for a show. And then the rest are on school time performances. Is that correct? Or do you do more than one? Orig- I mean, in your in your previous configuration, the first weekend you start with an an evening performance, correct?
2: Well, that is how it used to be. Um, This past season, we did stop evening performances Oh, you did? But we do do multiple weekend performances. Okay. Um, We do our sensory-friendly shows, which are normally at 10 a.m. on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then on Saturdays and Sundays, we will either do like a 1 p.m. and a 4 p.m. Or, you you know, sometimes it varies season to season, but we do do at least one to two weekend shows per day on Saturdays and Sundays. And then we do as many school shows as we think... You know, it calls for doing school shows Tuesday through Friday.
0: But for the general public, there are few there are few opportunities to to patronize toy.
2: Yes, each show normally runs three to four weeks, depending on the show.
0: I see. And now, as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm wondering, and I'm sure this is. By the way, who else? Who else is brainstorming this stuff with you there? Who else is on payroll or on staff who is now coming in and sitting down and <laughs> brainstorming either via Zoom or with masks on? Who else is involved in the planning?
2: Well, we have our education committee. They've been instrumental. We have our board, like I said. Mm-hmm. And then also this summer I, you know, I was really trying to brainstorm with our teaching artists. Um, because a lot of them are returning for the fall and then, you know, hopefully the spring. Mm-hmm. And so our TAs are a great source of, of inspiration and creativity. And then it is, you know, just reaching out to even other theater companies to see what they're doing mm-hmm. and, and really trying to survey our, our patrons, our, our parents, our, our students, and, and all of that.
0: And I just didn't know who was, who was helping you, you know, who's helping you make these decisions. It's your board, obviously, and I just didn't know if there were other uh, from the artistic side of things as opposed to the managerial side of things who are offering suggestions. We, we all know Ken Shaw is, you know, just a brilliant font of creativity and inventiveness, and nobody would ever argue that point. I'm sure you've thought of things in terms of sending things out to the schools video-wise and having them, because God knows teachers are going to need a break, and if they could get something from you, whether it's 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, whatever, that would be a lifeline that many would be very anxious to grab onto so what can you tell me has been discussed and you tell me what's been discussed and then what little you can tell me has been decided because we're getting awful close to the opening of school.
2: Well, one of the big things I can share is we are partnering with Independent Health mm-hmm. and um, we, we've been in collaboration with them for many years now and we're so thrilled. We, we're both on the same page to shift things virtually. Um, so we will be creating a series of workshops to partner with their programming, um, their Fit Kids program. So we will be creating short videos for them, and and really focusing on arts and acting and theater within the the challenges that the Fit Kids program does. Um, I actually have been in talks with Ken Shaw about some other design, you know, creative workshops that we're trying to brainstorm to brainstorm to move forward. Mm-hmm. And then again, it's working with the TAs with the workshops and what can we offer you know, the in-house workshops is such a varied programming that we offer. And so what can we do that we do normally do, but how can we shift that and move that into education more for teachers as a resource for them, as you were saying, even to give them, you know, 10 minutes here or there. Um, So that's, I don't have anything definite, like we're doing A, B, and C, Um, but these are all things that are in the works that we're, we're, Processing.
0: Talking about, yeah. Uh, well, because I did notice online that you do have, you have announced some fall workshops September through November, unless that is, you know, old information. I assume that the website is uh, is up to date. Yes, yes. And that's what you, is that what those are referring to?
2: So that, those are the typical programs that we offer to the community. So those, you have to register for those events, much like our summer workshops.
0: Uh, just out of curiosity, when you Look at a theater like like the Allendale, where there are what 450 seats, mm-hmm. roughly. Yeah. Did you did you consider what would we what could we do? How many could we fit in here safely? If if you went to, let's say, evening performances, uh, every other theater has done that, even though that is not what you guys do. Could you fit? a reasonable number of people in there to see a live performance? Or is...
2: No, the challenge is as much, I had heard Lorraine's interview, and I know that she got out her, her you know, her, her, her little tape day. measure, <laughs> which I also did.
0: <laughs> and it was something like 50, 57 out of yeah. 259
2: people. So... Yeah, we normally hold, um, we have a couple seats that are, are roped off. So our typical house is 445 seats. Mm-hmm. In order to follow the safety guidelines of six feet social distance, it would drop us down to 90 seats.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well.
2: It's <laughs> not awful. However, when you look at, you know, it's, it's a practical business matter unfortunately in these times right now that it's just not financially viable for us to open with the cost of expense to put on you know even a two-person show right now you know just thinking about the the structure and the landscape we are a very different audience base because you know i know a lot of adults are ready to go back into theaters or stadiums or concerts but when you're talking about again k through 12 parents and kids I think it's a different culture. It's hard enough for these parents and God bless them for trying to make decisions about if they want their kids to go virtual or hybrid or in person. You know, it's it's I watch all my friends with their little ones and it's 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 so challenging and scary and odd. Yes. Just what an odd time to be where we are. Um but I think we're a different landscape because we are focused on children. So even if we shifted to evening performances, Again, I I think it's very challenging.
0: Yeah, I was I w- I wasn't even really thinking of evening performances. I was just thinking, what if you did weekend performances during the because just like teachers need a break, <laughs> parents are gonna say, Where what can I do with my kids this weekend? And if they had, let's just say, for example, Go Dog Go and it, it was running eight weekends, just throwing numbers out here, and it was only on the weekend, uh, so so kids could come and see it with their parents. Still, the most you could fit in was 90-something people, mm-hmm. and so the, even that is not a... Obviously, I'm thinking of these things now. It's, it's like, uh, I'm thinking of them for the first time, but I'm sure all of you have been... <laughs>
2: It's also hard because, again, we don't have New York State guidelines. So, yes, that is an option. That is a plan in the back of my head. But we just don't know the, the when and, the, you know, the exact how from mm-hmm. government legal standpoints.
0: I'm just trying to figure out a way to make some money for you people.
2: <laughs> I know. I know. It's, you know, it, it's very challenging. And, and Toy, we, we are a nonprofit, and so we do – you know, we do need the community to, if they can make a donation, even just the cost of what a, a general ticket would be, that would be very helpful. It would be really beneficial.
0: Do you d- generally do any fundraisers in a normal year or is it? are you strictly uh, dependent upon ticket sales and, you know, f- field trips and so on?
2: No, we do do an annual fundraiser that has typically been called the Brew Bash. That actually was scheduled for May this year, but we of had to cancel. Um, so we do do an annual fundraiser. We do do annual donation drives, um, such as our year end, our fiscal year, but then also the year end uh, of the calendar year. So we do have multiple. Um, options but i think you know most people are are just geared towards ticket sales and you know the cost of their performance
0: sure and of course as as somebody told me in a recent podcast any donations of course of course we'll accept donations of course you know go to our website there's a place on there for a donation always willing to accept donations if you're if you're a nonprofit. um is there anything else you can you can announce about the season that well clearly there's not going to be a regular season obviously as with everybody else there is probably hope that either the either the outsiders or go dog go or both might appear in a in a future season or even in a future time frame of this season maybe mm-hmm. maybe next i don't know january february march if things ease up and if we finally move into phase 52 which will involve theaters. <laughs> so right now, all you have going for you are these uh, uh, virtual workshops that you're going to try to offer in conjunction with independent health, mm-hmm. and you're going to offer to schools and uh, try to get some of your product out there and and keep the kids. You people are so important because this is where all of our audiences come from. Right. I remember the first time I saw a play. I remember the first time I saw Shakespeare in the Park, for example. I remember the first time those things happened and the impression that it made on me. And we're not going to lose this whole generation just because we've lost one season or a half a season or even a season and a half. We're not going to lose them, but, but we have to somehow keep them hanging on, yeah. keep them interested, keep them focused on the concept of of live theater which is what toy does so beautifully
2: absolutely the yeah live theater we are taking a pause it sounds so cliche but it it is intermission well
0: it is it is now because everybody has to do it but it that's what it is
2: yeah but but for me i mean personally and professionally as a child of arts education you said shakespeare you said toy i mean I can, I can sit here and tell you the first moment of really most of the theaters in Buffalo and the impact that it had on me and why I'm here doing what I'm doing and why I'm fighting for toy right now because mm-hmm. we it is such a vital and important theater for the community and the children, but it, it's also COVID is so jarring and i as a as an adult am having trouble day to day i can only imagine how some of these children are feeling in their different circumstances and situations and they need creativity they need You know, that's why toy is special because we give them a place that is theirs, that we tell their stories, we share their feelings, their reactions to things. And it it is about that spark of imagination, that spark, the the joy and wonder, the worries and wonder of childhood. And and so it's really connecting that back to simple creativity and and letting them have a voice in the programming, what they're seeing, what they're offered and, and giving them different ways to cope with their feelings and what they're going through, whether it's school or COVID or or whatever it might be. And I think that we can can offer that to them.
0: And let's not forget that not every large city or mid-sized city has a theater of youth. Mm -hmm. You are not a franchise. This is not a nationwide endeavor to get children interested and hooked on theater. This was something that was developed here, as I said, 48 years ago now, and not every city is blessed with this resource that we have here that is so vital to our children's cultural growth, I think. I don't know why I'm doing a commercial for you, but I feel so strongly about toy and how important it is. You know, it's one thing when you look at other theaters and you say, well, this is important for musical theater, and this is important for the classical theater, and this is important for Broadway theater, and this is important for that— But all of them wouldn't even exist without a theater that somehow got all of those artistic directors interested in theater when they were in their youth. And that's, that's why it's so
2: important. Oh, absolutely. Theater for the youth and, and also, you know, community theaters. That's, that's where these things really start. That's where the seed is is planted.
0: well, Tracy, I want to thank you uh, for, is there anything else you'd like to say about things at toy or, the future or just Uh, To end on a positive (laughs) note here.
2: Well, you know, we we can't quite open our doors yet, but we do have, we will have some production streaming options this season for people in the fall and the spring. Mm -hmm. We will have full year education programming, whether that's workshops or, you know, classes. We will still be offering things K through 12 and for adults because families need, again, that creativity and that time together. Um, so there are things in the works. We I'm so excited to share the things that we're planning with the community because yeah, it's going to be really great. And we, we might be a little quiet this year, but we are not going away.
1: <laughs>
0: I should hope not. And where will we learn about all of these things? You have, I'm sure, social media presence. Yes. So tell me a little bit about that. And you have a website, obviously. But just go ahead in closing, let's just just talk about where we can keep track of and donate to Theatre of Youth if we are of such a, uh, such a mind.
2: Of course, first and foremost, our website, theaterofyouth.org. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, so you can find us there. And all of our updates will be posted to those channels. Yes, that's that's where we are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you can do make donations on the website, right? Yes, you right?
2: can make donations. And we also <laughs> have a YouTube channel as well that has oh, you do? interviews and, and things like that, even from the past, that you can view and, and share with your families and, and loved ones.
0: Now, see that? I didn't, I did not know. I didn't even think to check for a YouTube channel. Alex. But you're you're not the only ones who've surprised me with a YouTube channel. And I thought, really? The Buffalo History Society has a YouTube channel? I think they do. Or, or I may be misspeaking <laughs> now. Maybe it was somebody else. But I've spoken to so many terrific people on this. Anyway, this is probably going to be, not probably, I am going to release this podcast. week from today
2: i've been listening to this every week peter so i love oh have you i I love what you're doing i love that rltp is doing this i think it's absolutely fabulous and and especially for giving other theaters an opportunity to talk i just think is so so wonderful
0: well i'll tell you that was one of the things that i said to scott right at the very beginning i said if we're going to do this it needs to involve everybody and then once COVID hit was scott's idea to make sure that we got. Other cultural organizations involved because everybody is being hit with this, uh-huh. and and all of these organizations have fans that people want to know what's going on, so. So let's let's get to them.
2: Yeah, we're all on the boat. The success of one company is only going to help the others. It's we're we're we really are all in this together.
0: <laughs> well, Tracy Snyder, managing director of uh, Theater Review, thanks so much for joining me today. It was lovely seeing you again. I can't wait till I can see some people in in live person soon.
2: Oh, I've been so excited to see you, Peter. It's a pleasure. It always
0: You're is. Very sweet, and I wish you a lot of luck there. And I know that you guys are going to continue to do great work. So, best of luck. We'll talk to you again soon. I hope.
2: Thank you so much, Peter. Bye bye now. Bye.
0: Yes, I scrubbed. I used the loofah, but it, you know it wasn't any it wasn't any match for the layers and layers. Oh, never mind. And Tracy Snyder, she's such a sweetheart, but but she's got her uh, work cut out for her over there at Theater of Youth. But it sounds like they've got a plan. I think everybody's got a plan. And I, I think that's the key to all of this is you, you gotta have a plan. Don't be just sitting around saying, oh, woe is me, let's, let's make up a plan. Come on. And as this uh, pandemic wears on, it, it's become increasingly obvious to me that everyone is making up a plan. Life will find a way. One of my favorite quotes from Jurassic Park. But eh, that's neither here nor there. And speaking of neither here nor there, did you guess who the mystery voice was?
1: I'm sorry. I thought I was calling Off Road with Peter Palmasano.
0: Yes, that's right. It's John Elston. You've heard his words on many occasions. Great playwright for Road Less Traveled Productions. And it seems to me he's got a little something up his sleeve. That's just a sneak preview, as we will be featuring more of John and more of what's coming up at RLTP in the very near future.
1: I'm a little upset about this thing outside my house.
0: What an imagination this guy has got, and I'm really looking forward to what's going to be happening next. And in the meantime, why don't you consider submitting a message from your bunker? Be a mystery guest on Tales from the Bunker. I don't know. Now it sounds like all of them have to be spooky. No, they're just it's little simple messages. You just send me a little message about how everything's going with you at your house and, and how much you're enjoying your alone time. Make a simple recording. Put it on your phone. Email it to rltpoffroad at gmail.com. And I'll be back in a couple of weeks. September. As a matter of fact, tomorrow's September. Ah, Thanks for listening. This has been Pete Pomisano for RLTP's Off-Road.